Thanks, Anna. Thanks. You know, really, in my heart, this year, I have great expectations for you. Some of you haven't got any expectations for yourself. But your pastor has. And I know God has expectations because I know what God told me to tell you. What God told me to tell you, that means my God has great, great belief in you. And by him telling me to tell you what I've been telling you, it means that God is doing a work in this place through those people he is telling me to tell. Yes? Does that make sense? I'm so glad. So we are pushing into. We are pressing on towards. We are pursuing until God's light and his truth is established through everything you do. We're pushing. We're pressing. We are pursuing. I will keep on speaking. I expect Phil, Paul, Emma, Ange, Carol... I expect all those who preach this year to keep on this theme. Why? Because this is the word to our hearts. And I haven't said everything that needs to be said, but those who are going to be speaking, let you find something. Let, listen, the same God who speaks to me can speak to you and should be speaking to you. And all everyone who speaks should be sticking to this. Why? This is where we get the breakthrough. If we put our weight behind it together, we push through. Amen? Come on, Amen. So Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says this. I started, I used this scripture right at the beginning of this series. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, thank God that someone can hear heaven speak. Now has come, now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before God day and night. So he accuses them before God and he accuses them day and night has been hurled down and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by what? The word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, there was something that so caught hold of their lives that they didn't settle for mediocrity. They kept pushing in, pressing on, pursuing until God's word, his light, his truth was established through everything they did. And their testimony spoke of that. They weren't, it wasn't a testimony they came to church. It wasn't a testimony they were just believers. Their testimony overcame. Their testimony overcame at the most critical part of their life. Your testimony must speak. It must speak. And you can't turn around and tell the devil you, were a, you became a Christian 30 years ago. He's not interested. What you did 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 5 minutes ago, has no impact on life. It's what you do now. It's what you can carry today. So many people sit there, do absolutely nothing, but they became a Christian 30 years ago. That's wonderful you became a Christian, by the way. But your testimony has got to speak today. It must speak now. And your testimony can't just speak what you did 30 years ago. You know, I, 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 my testimony with me and my wife is not that I got married 30 odd years ago. Gee, it, millions of people got married. But my testimony is how I still love this lady. How I can still protect her. 
How I still keep pursuing her. How I keep pressing into her. How I keep pushing in and pursuing her. Until our marriage is established. Yes? Because everybody else's marriage... I should say, let me rephrase it. There's so many marriages out there that don't have the same testimony. Theirs ended up in flames. I know it's heartache and sadness, but we don't all have the same testimony. But my testimony is is every time my children stand before me and Carol, our testimony is still speaking. They see the way I still hold her. They see the way I still talk to her. I don't always get it right, by the way. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we have some disagreements. and And it gets a little bit sharp. The issue is not how many sword fights we can have. The issue is, can I put my blade away? And can I go and apologise? They're the kind of things that I have to keep speaking. Amen? No one said you can't argue. No one said you can't argue. Whoever said, if you've got a perfect marriage, we never argue. They're liars. Because, listen, a healthy marriage has conflict. How do I know? Come and look at mine. (laughs) Knowing this guy longer, no, knowing these two long enough, I know he's had a few. He, listen, there's a reason why they sell tin hats. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. <laughs> it's how we walk, it's how we speak, it's how we look and walk amongst our own people and before others. Amen. So we've been looking at Sam, uh, when I can get this thing to work. 43. Uh, there we go. Yeah, we've got the right scripture this week, guys. I'm going to split you two up. You are my God. That's where I'm started. My stronghold. And then David, as we we heard last week, David was surrounded in life and thickness uh, where the enemy was pressing him in. And he says, why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning? Exactly. Why should you keep going around mourning? Change your face. But send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I'll go to the altar of God, to God. I've been the altar of God, to God. So here's the difference. You say, let my heart be brought to church. It's not enough. Let my heart go to church, be brought to church, to God. It wasn't happy just going to the altar of God, to God. He wanted to go, no, he wasn't happy just being there, he wanted to meet the person it represents. Amen? Amen? Yes. My joy, my delight. He, he knows the God he's pursuing. He knows, the, he, he knows what he's going to find at the end of this. Why? Because he's been there before. And I'll praise you with a harp. And last week we said you may not have a harp, but you have got a, an instrument. It's called your voice. It's called your praise. Amen? I don't know if you know, but we live in a, we live in a dark world. We live in a dark society that's surrounded by the work of the evil one. You may have noticed, I don't know. And every day we see evidence of this evil. True? And every day we see evidence that more and more, or I should say, less and less of our truth is wanted in our society. We see everybody trying to Break, out, uh, break away from what was traditional, what was... You know, when you used to have the BC, before Christ. Now you get the BCE, before Common Era. 
You know, they don't even want to use, don't even recognise it was the age of Christ. They're trying to eradicate and erase every aspect of Christ in our society. Why? Because they don't want a conscience. They want to be free to do what they want, and yet then our government will stand up and say, what happened to the traditional values? You destroyed them. Why? Because you ones who removed them were your daft, stupid political correctness. It makes me mad that. Let me just step into the flesh for a second. Political correctness does my boxing. I'm back in the spirit now. And like David, people feel harassed. Like David, people feel harassed. Like David, your neighbours feel harassed. Like David, the work of the evil one surrounds us. What are we going to do when the work of the evil one surrounds us? Well, wherever there is, wherever there is anarchy, wherever there is complete implosion of God values, God morals, I don't know if you noticed, but there is always fear, panic, obsession, depression, oppression, and dark thinking. You remove God out of society, and all manner of things begin to place it. I saw a very similar kind of thing. When East Europe became open... I know some of you youngers may not know this, but I think it was 1980, was it 89 or something, when the wall came, the Berlin Wall came down. Two weeks, two, three, two or three weeks, I was on a mission to Poland. Now, Poland was previously, in, it still is in East Europe, but at that point, it was all Czech, Czech borders. The guys would stand there with guns in their hand, and it took you ages to get through the border. No one smiled. It was bleak. It was bleak. Three weeks later, three, how many weeks? Three weeks later, the doors were wide open, women were on the streets, and I kid you not, they had every kind of makeup they'd never had before. They didn't care less what colours went with what. <laughs> they didn't have a Pantone chart. They didn't have a, was it Mary Lee? What, what do they call it? I forget the woman's name. Make Bill, that's whatever her name is. They don't know it. What do they call it? Mary Lee. Mary Lee. <laughs> Anyway, they didn't have all that kind of stuff to do a look good. Does that go with that, honey? They were just so desperate to get hold of these things that they didn't know whether it did them any good or not. They just wanted it. Within three weeks, brand new roads were being laid. Petrol stations were being built with all the mod cons in. In three weeks' time, you can't get your road done. Right? You can't get your road done. You can't get your service station serviced. But where there's new opportunity, everyone moves in. And behind the curtain, guess what was there? Mormons. Jehovah's Witnesses. They were already behind the curtain. So what happened is, as soon as the wall opened up, everything crossed over. Why? Because it's now virgin territory. But guess what? Spirits are not governed by physical walls. Demons don't care about what laws or rules you've got on the earth. They work by a different rule. And you found evil was always behind that wall. 
And what happened now? It just merged. It just found people to work with. Yeah, but if you know, there are just as many good, positive things in this world as there are bad. There are good, positive people in this world. Yes, I know the sinners, but there's a lot of good. Look around, there's still good. Let's not just become so negative we think everything's dark. You know, the world's going to hell, which it is. But there are good people out there. There are people who don't believe everything that these people tell them. There is fake news. It's not, you know, Donald didn't put, the, you know, put the, this new phrase, the fake, there's always been fake news. There's always been fake news. It's called lying. It's called politics. There's always been fake news. If you can't see the good, you'll only ever see dark. Now, let me balance this out. If you only ever see dark, you'll never see any good. God's working in the good and the dark. He is. We have this thought, stay away from the dark, just work with the good. No, no, no. You can't just work with the good, you've got to work with the dark and the good, because the good is still dark. The good is still dark, why? Because they still need Jesus. Is this not true? If you never see good, and you can never notice bad, you therefore can never be a solution to it. Think about this. There are some areas I know that are bad. We all know that. But there are some good people in there. And there are some good areas where I know people are doing bad things. The point is, I have to look at me. I am light. I am salt. I have to recognize good, bad, indifferent. But I have to be where I need to be. So my light can shine. I am, you are, we are a solution. But if all I ever do is go home, come to church, go shopping, come home, tell me how that's light shining. You live on a road, do you not? You have, you have a neighbourhood, do you not? That's the place to start. If you don't see your neighbourhood as being dark, and you don't see your neighbourhood as evil, then you won't see yourself as light. I know I live amongst, Paul, um, Isaiah said, I live amongst the dark people. I live amongst the lost people. I live amongst them. I know what I live among. If I don't know what I live among, how can I ever shine? Because I don't recognize. If you don't see yourself as light, then not only is your neighborhood in darkness, but you also are part of that darkness. And therefore, you need rescuing. You need rescuing. Do you know, I heard a message by Dr. Tundi, some of you may not know who he is, and he talked about the lost sheep of Israel. And the lost sheep of Israel, we always thought, were people who, were, who, were, did, who weren't the Christians. But you know what? I'm coming to see more and more, there are more lost sheep in the church as there are outside. Oh, there are definitely lost sheep outside. But there's just as many lost people inside church. They come to church, they wear, they come up, you know, with all the nice suited and booted. We've all played the game. We went to church, 
Many years ago, when our parents used to put new clothes on us and send us there, we didn't want to be in church. Just like so many other people don't want to be in church. But you're frightening. You're frightening. If you don't turn up, your friends might notice you were absent. And then you walk in the week, where was you? Well, you know, we just overslept. You can't say you've overslept. We went to another church. (laughs) So this is what Isaiah has to say when I can flick this thing. There we go. Listen to what Isaiah says. So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Where's it stumbled? Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and he was displeased. What did God do? He looked and he was displeased. What was he displeased at? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because there was no one to intervene. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. The sad thing about this is that God looks at our neighbourhood and when he looks in our neighbourhood, does he see anybody willing to intervene? Hello? Come on, church, really help me this morning. Just, I really want us to wake us up. Our testimony has got to be established. The name of Christ. You know this morning, because we're, we are building this with this morning, I went to the market. I went to the market down Graymere Lane. I was there this morning early. I'm walking around amongst the people. And I think, this is, this is a minefield. This is a golden opportunity to reach nations. Hello? It's only a baby. This is a golden place to reach people. There's every kind of person there. There's all walks of society. All the nations are there. And we're here. And we're here. So we've got to look at where we should be at certain... Now, I'm not saying every Sunday we've got to be there. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, such a great gathering of people. Such a great gathering of people. And we're here. Not just us, all the other churches are are in their place. But all these churches in this area, around the Manchester area, is there anybody who can intervene? My role this year is to, to keep on speaking this until the Holy Spirit witnesses to your spirit and speaks to your heart that you, my brother, my sister... We must be children of the light. We are not just children in the light in our homes. We're not just children in the light in our works. But we consciously must think about those who are in darkness. I know there's not many amens. This is the problem with modern Christianity. We've become switched off to the world. And we've got this survival mentality. Because I go to church, because I give to God, I'm okay. But what about a consciousness for this world? I believe when we bought these chairs, we didn't buy these chairs for you. We bought extra chairs for those who were coming. Why? Because, what do we say to you? God showed us a picture of growth. 
So what did we do? We made the first step. We went and bought extra chairs. Now, see, look at those chairs over there. Please look at those chairs. It looks like the Red Star of India in here, doesn't it, now with these, these new ones. I say to Chris, what we should have started the worship this morning by going, dinky, dink, 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 dinky, dink, dink. The poppadons will be served later on. The issue is, look at those chairs. I don't want those chairs stacked up. I want those chairs to be used. I want someone's sweet petunia to rub their backside on those chairs. But as quick as they sit on those chairs, I want that backside off a chair out into the field. This, let this become an irritation to us. Let those chairs become an irritation to us. Why? Because, thank you, we do not want them to be sat there all year, stood there. We want them to be filled. Amen? Amen? Now, they're not going to get filled just by being, by you and I pulling them down. We need to go and get people and bring them in. We consciously must proact- sorry, consciously and proactively must find ways to go and reach people. God's arm is longing to intervene. And do not let God work himself. Now, when that picture, look at me. When that picture or that word was spoken, Christ had not yet died. Christ had not yet come to the earth. Everybody see that? He was looking forward. Right? But now we get to the New Testament. What do we say about Jesus' work? What do we call it? It's complete. It's called the finished work of Christ. So now Christ sits on the throne and who does he make his appeal through? Us. The Holy Spirit makes his appeal to the church to become his expression. And the church is meant to go and carry the kingdom. Take the kingdom. Take the message of Christ. Demonstrate the power of the kingdom. So now that you are now the Lord's arm. You are now the Lord's arm. Your power and authority that all has been given to you works on his behalf. So when you step out and you open up your mouth and you take the kingdom to uh, the places of darkness, you then see God's arm work. Now what happens when you refuse to stand up and let light shine? What do you think happens? Exactly. God has to either bring somebody else in. God has to engineer it that that person will get saved. We had, you've heard me say this story before, we had a lady called Edith Peel. Some of you remember Edith, sweet old lady. Definitely a battle axe. I say that in all sweetness. Edith would never shut up, shine in her light. Everywhere she went, she would tell everybody. But when she goes to Billy Graham campaign, she comes down to the front. There was nobody there to meet her. Somehow, all the stewards were dealing with other people and leading them to Christ. And for some reason, Edith never got to speak anyone. Now, did Jesus Christ see that she she wanted to give a heart? 
He did. So I believe at that moment she was saved. But there was nobody there to take her through the sinner's prayer. But God saw that there was, this lady was moving like the woman with the issue of blood. She just wanted to come down and give her heart. Fifteen years later, God has to engineer it again for her to see somebody else who then could bring, bring her into church, start discipling her, and then she became a shining light. That woman, you know, she witnessed to all, everybody in her sight. She used to live around there. She had a little home. And all the old folks there, anybody who came in her house, she made it her business. My mother was the same. When my mother couldn't move because she had bronchitis, everybody went into my mother's house, got witness to. Folks, we can do it. We can do it. If we are just conscious enough, we can do it. Look at the person at the side of you. Please, please. We can do it. Say, we can do it. We are God's arm. We are God's arm. I'm not going to let the arm of God work for himself when he's told me to do it. Well, I'm going to look a bit of a numpty. Well, think about what you're going to say before you say it. Well, I might lose my credibility. Well, you didn't have any anyway. Get real. Well, what little bit I did have, good. Lose everything for Christ. They'll never talk to me again. That's only in your mind. Listen, listen you're looking at a dipstick here. I've done a lot of things. If, there was, if I had any credibility, I lost it a long time ago. The truth is nowhere to be found. Please do not let that be said of you. We cannot turn around and say we're Christians and yet God has no, there is no truth to be found in that neighbourhood. We've got to find ways. We've got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've got to become proactive. Lord, lead me. Let your light lead me. And your truth lead me. Why? Because my testimony will be proactive. My testimony is still speaking. I was telling, I think it was you, Chris, I'm not sure. So yeah, Tony Price, did I tell you about Tony Price? A guy who once came to Manchester, he came to this church, and when he witnessed, he used to make me feel so embarrassed. You know him, Phil. And Tony was the person who would, you'd be sat in, in the petrol station and a guy would turn up and he'd just wind his window down and he'd just say, now this was how Tony did it. And we also knew a fellow called Paul Davidson who was just as radical. And he'd say, oh, I like that car. That's a fast car, that, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know the fastest car won't get you out of hell? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And then he'd say, he'd just go up and he'd sit down, he'd have a bag of sweets. You can't do that today with a bag of sweets. But he'd just go up on, on, on a chair. And I, when I went to Canada to speak in his church, he said, let's go out for some coffee. But when Tony says we're going out for a coffee, it means we're going to witness about 15 people before you get a cup of coffee. And I'm thinking, ah, this is not, I only came here to speak. But you know, they remembered, God says, the trouble with you, fella, you've got no salt on you. You want to come and speak in his church, but you don't even want to, this is, this is it. On the way to church, how many people did you pass? And I just thought, whoa, I need to seriously, you know, appraise what I'm doing in life. Thank goodness I was young. And 
And I thought preaching was everything. As long as you go to preach, that's it. And I realized, hang on, this is not the gospel. You know, on the way to the temple, Jesus spoke to people. But on the way, on the way, recognized people exist. And Tony would sit there and he'd make it look so easy. And by the end, I used to think, God, give me this gift. Let me just have this, this, this ability just to communicate with people. Let it become so natural. And he said, well, do you want to be an evangelist? No, just let me just witness to people. I just want to witness to people. And now when I go into a shop, I can crack the ice. I can talk. My local patisserie down the road, they've all been witnessed to. I still get the same tea cake every morning, a cup of coffee. Why? I, I went in there just to witness to them. I didn't start off that way. I went in there for a cup of coffee. And my tea cake, I'm a customer. But then I realised... There was an opportunity here. Just like when this used to be a sandwich shop around the corner. And I went in there and the girl started opening up to me and I just thought, she's coming on to me. <laughs> and God and God had to arrest me and went, and this that Mancunian God says, You dipstick. He said, She sees the light in you and she feels she can talk to you, just like the woman at the well did. And you know, since that day, that girl has got a good relationship with Carol and Shirley. Because she's coming to mums and tots many, many, many times. Now her children are old enough. But you know what? We witness to her. Not everyone who we witness to will get saved. That's not your issue. Your issue is to be light. And I really just believe that God is telling us, church, let's get out there. Let this light shine. It's nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about today, by the way. This is not, absolutely, you look at my nose. There's nothing where I'm going, but I'm here now. I'm staying. This is where I am. It's not where I was going. It's where I am. This is where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. Church, we have to be salt and light. And you might think, well, I feel embarrassed. So what? We all feel embarrassed. Well, let some pride go. Let some embarrassment go. And let some celebration and joy break out. Well, what do I say? Hey, guess what? Trust the Holy Ghost. We'll start with, hello, my name is. What's your name? You come here often. No, don't say that. When I'm in a shop, I am just sat there. I'm a customer first. And I'm stood there. And I'm just waiting, just like everybody else is. But then, as somebody speaks and I see an opportunity, I then start pulling the knot. And I, it doesn't mean say you can, you can tell them everything all in one day. But then you realise, ah, we had a little bit of leeway here. I'm going to go back again tomorrow. I'm going to pick it up again. Because guess what? You don't undo a knot all in one go, do you? And you undo it. And you'll find some, sometimes you go to pull the knot and it all just opens up, doesn't it? Other times, you've got to get it in and you've got, you've got to really work with it. But I just love the fact that talking with people can be natural. It doesn't have to be hard. The hardest part is the ice breaking. So you've got to find a way to break the ice without coming across like a creep or a weirdo. Yeah, seriously. If you have a partner, go with your partner. Make it your mission to do something you've not done before. Even if you just compliment them, even if you just give them a gospel track, even if you just, you know, just say, uh, I'm just trying to think. Just compliment them. Compliment them. 
Now, if you're a boy and there's a single girl over there, I trust you don't do that one, because that might see something else. Go with two. Go with two of you. Compliment. Listen, as couples, start becoming aware. When I walk around Openshaw, and I was on that market this morning, I see disenfranchised people. I see people who have moved from nations who are struggling to keep, you know, struggling to spend the pound. And there they are, buying second-hand clothes. Because all, the, all they're interested in is surviving and making ends meet. And you just think, we've got to find ways how we can reach these people. Seriously, church, we've got to find ways. We might need to go back down to that market again as a church, but this time we go back differently. We don't just go back and just give them teas and coffees. This time we engage the crowd. We find ways. Because to me, it almost seems criminal to... I say this very carefully. So what I'm not, listen to what I'm not, what's not being said and also listen to what is being said. I am not saying we shut down every week and go down to the market. I'm not saying that. But every now and then, let's get down to that market like we did a couple of years ago. And let's just begin to get that light out there again. We can't, there comes a time when we've got to stop talking about it and do it. And it's our role as leaders is to put us in different terrains where we can do that. Also, to train you for those terrains. Yes? Because we cannot keep, we say, well, I don't want to go down to the market. That's your choice. That's a shame to hear that. That's sad to hear that. But guess what? We're still going. Whatever that market is. Whenever that market is. We're still going as a church. Well, I don't like the idea of sitting on these new chairs with somebody who smells. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? There's another 50 over there. And then we'll get some more people who smell. And we'll sit them on those chairs. And if it means that your smell, their smell is worse than yours, well, then guess what? Maybe we should try and help them. Maybe we should just try and buy them some deodorant. Maybe we should buy them some new clothes. Let's just try and help them. Let's get used to different smells and odours in this house. Yes? Come on. We're so religious. Let's see this place turned upside down. Let, us, let it become radical. Radical means, you know, we, we moved the chairs this morning. Some of you sat in a new place. Oh, oh my, we, we, just, we just destroyed for one week. Routine. The point is this. This church cannot be the same. It cannot stay the same. And if it does stay the same, we should leave. There's only one person who can remain the same. He's the same today, yesterday and forevermore. You can't be. Amen? Last scripture, whatever it was, let's find it. You know what? Go to Hebrews 4.12. I'm going to finish on this. (coughs) Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. Who believes that? Is Is it active to you or is it active in you? I believe it can do all kinds of things until I have to go and use it. That's normally where fear comes in 
And when it comes to me using the word of God and being the word of God and demonstrating the word of God, I all of a sudden have reservations as to whether I can be the word of God. I don't mind someone speaking it to me and I, and I know it has power to speak to me, but can I be the word? How many of you heard, how many of you, it says, uh, sorry, let me, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, for the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. This is, this is the depth, the width, the height, the power it has. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So how many of you believe that this word is the latent power of God. I'm glad you said yes, because now let me tell you what that word means. To say the word of God is latent, it means it has all the potential, all the power, but when there is no need to demonstrate it, it's latent. It's inactive. It's not working, but it has all the power, all the potential. All it needs is a circumstance and a demand. If there is no circumstance and no demand to meet the circumstance, the word will always remain inactive, latent, though it has all the power to do more than you can even ask or even imagine. Now, the point is, I know that there are times and seasons in my life when the word has been latent. Be honest with yourself. Many times when the word has been latent. But I really believe that this is a time and a season for us as a house where God's saying, no longer is this word going to be latent in you. It's now going to be proactive. It's now going to be demonstrated. It's going to be, it's going to be built. It's going to be seen. There are things in my spirit that I cannot communicate to you yet. There are things in my spirit that I've not even told the guys. Because there isn't the time yet to talk about these things because we've got to all come to a place simultaneously. If I start talking about some of the things in my spirit, it just seems so hard. For us to do. But I'm looking, we don't need a lot of people. We just need mobilized people, not a lot of people. Jesus had 12. Started with 12. So you have to ask yourself, am I going to become, is this word going to become latent in me or is it going to become awake? Why do you think the river is given? Why do you think God releases a river inside a church? So the latent power of God doesn't become latent. It now becomes proactive. And it can then, the, the river can swoop you. And the, listen, the river can move where it needs to flow. So if, God, if the river can get inside of you and get inside of me, then the river can lead us. That's how that truth and light then begin to lead us. So there is, there is the impetus from heaven to, to come to us. It then hits the church. This is why the worship, I've noticed our worship since Christmas, has definitely taken a whole new level. Why? Because worship releases rain. 
And as it starts raining inside the church, I said to you last week, I feel like there were splashes. There's a, there's a level of water on this floor that I saw that we were playing in dense puddles. Because that's where we're at at this point. We're not enough to get saturated, but we're enough to get wet. That's not enough. You know, my, my granddaughters, when I take them out, what are kids like where water's concerned? They find it, don't they? They find it. And, and when they're getting it, they just... Why? Because they want to, they love the feeling. And they want to, you know, they just want to, they like the noise, they like the, the joy, and they don't care if they get soaked. Now, we can have a lot of charismatic jumping, and there's a time for that. But we've got to get past that. We've got to get past that where now where we're walking and we feel the water has some weight behind it. Amen? And there's an element of restriction. So you choose your moves carefully. The deeper the water comes, you choose your moves. Because there's a current and it's flowing. So you try to get with the current rather than against it. And then there's a point where you know the water starts flowing and you are consciously aware now, things are changing. I am not in control, now I'm here. I was in control at the splash level. But now I'm not in control and now I feel a little bit, oh, I'm not quite sure, will I go over? So what do you do? You now walk carefully. And as you walk carefully, you learn to navigate the flow of the river. Until eventually God says, stop trying to navigate, go with the flow. Amen? But there's a period where God will let you adjust your footsteps. There's a period where God will let you jump, play. Then there's a period where God will adjust your footsteps in order for you to eventually let go. Some of you will never let go. Some of you will stay in the puddle playing because that's the nature of children. In this part here, we're not quite sure. This is where faith now has to, to take hold of our lives. We let go, we give in and we let the Holy Spirit lead us. Some people will stay at that point until somebody's hand comes across and helps guide them. Amen? So you can be a guide at that point. Because don't forget, this river is not just about you. It's what God river brings in. But the river is not meant for the house. The river has got to be open those doors. And the river takes us into the community. And that's how you have transformation. Let's stand to our feet. You didn't get my word. But you did get the word. Did you get the message this morning? Tonight when you come, I would ask you to come and be at the place. They're throwing money at the altar here now. I'm only worth three pence. We come in tonight at the place where we are now. Help me find the way, Lord. That was the song we sang. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. Help me find the way. 
Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down to hear you say that I'm your friend. Amen? Amen. Just raise those holy hands if you will. Tonight, the water level is going to get increased. It will get increased. The more we intense, intensify the atmosphere, the more we come to do the will of God. It's a beautiful thing. Jean, your operations, I know you didn't expect the need, but you had the first operation and God has, has overshadowed you and God has kept you. He says, girl, you, you will run, you will not grow weary, you will not grow weak. You will, you'll dance, you'll skip like the calf. And you'll t- tell people, of the goodness of God in your age and how God keeps you fresh. That is your testimony. Lead people to what's working in your life. That is your testimony. That's current right now. Lead people to the healer, to the restorer. Show them how you can skip like a calf. Press into God for that full release, that full healing in your body, that full restoration. How it's possible to have operations and still skip like a calf. God renews the strength of his saints. Father, I declare today from heaven above, from the earth to the heavens to the heavens to, to the earth. Father, I declare this, a season, an open heaven. I declare the doors open in this house. I declare 218, the most unusual year. Father, an extraordinary year. Father, I pray, oh God, for rain. I pray, oh God, let the river flow. Let the torrents begin to build in this house. Let light and truth, oh God, become, become, Father, so strong in in your people, oh God. Let truth shine through, oh God. Let light shine forth. Father, we, we... Help us to get to that place, oh God, where your own arm does not have to work for you. You do not have to intervene because there's nobody there. Father, we're saying, oh God, we want to be there. Lead us out, oh God. Let us become conscious of the darkness around us. Let us become conscious that we are a light. We will not hide our light under a bushel. (laughs) But oh God, from this day forth... Empower us, teach us, train us, Holy Ghost. Turn this culture in this house. Turn us, oh God. Turn the culture in this house, oh God. Oh, Father. Oh, mighty God. In Jesus' holy name, there will be a sovereign move of God in in His people. In His people. In His house, in His people. Zion will manifest. The altar will become so prevalent in the lives of the people. A place where people change. Not just a house where people attend, but a place where people change. The mountain, the altar. Lord, let there be songs of a new season breaking out. 
right across in the hearts of your people. Oh God, let this be a season of new declarations in the lives of your people. Oh mighty God. Come on, just speak in, speak in your heavenly language. Speak in your natural language. Just for a minute. Come on, push your spirit a little bit harder. Pushing the spirit. Thank you, Father. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are here. You're all I want. You're Father. Thank you, Lord. Sira Baba Barianda. Toromomo Morianda Raba Sidiendi. Oh, thank you, Lord. And all God's promises are yes and amen. Well, the Lord bless you.